Praise the Lord. Good morning. Welcome back to the Troop Church of God. I'm Pastor Colombo. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us once again. And we pray, God, for your holy anointing to come upon us, that your heart might pass through our lips into the hearts of your people. We pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, the ten virgins, the ten virgins. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 1, the Bible declares, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Paul the Apostle has an interesting verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. He said this to the people at Corinth, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. In the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, and it says this, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. There's two things going on here. The Bible says they took their lamps, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But we're the bride, we're the church. And as Paul said, we have been espoused, engaged, so to speak, to Jesus through the born-again experience. And God wants to come back and join with his bride to take us where he is. And praise the Lord, that's going to be a glorious day. And when you look at the verse and it talks about their lamps, the lamps represent the light of Jesus in our lives. He is the light. And he said, we were the light of the world. That's why he said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then he said this to his disciples in Matthew 5 and 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So let's talk for a moment. We are spiritually engaged to Jesus. We've been espoused to our husband, praise God, Christ. And we have his light in our life. And it's our vocation, it's our job, it's our command from the Lord to show other people concerning this espousal, this engagement, that we are in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God, and that he loves us and has forgiven us of our sins. And we are to present to the world the light of God, praise the Lord, so that perhaps they could be drawn by God's Spirit, hallelujah, and they too can be espoused, praise the Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ, which would be a glorious happening in the lives of people. The Bible says in Matthew 25 and verse 2, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. What does it mean to be wise? Well, to be wise means to be intelligent. It means to be prudent. And when you look at the word prudent, it means to be practical, sensible, and far-sighted. To see in advance, to see what's up ahead, what's 
up the road. It means to be mindful of one's interests. It means, really, spiritually, being led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there were five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. Virgins, Well, foolish, we know what that is, right? In spiritual terms, it means to be irreverent to the things of God, to care more about the things of the world than we do about the things of God. It's a religious spirit and not a spiritual spirit that's been led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. It's actually a carnal spirit. It's actually a spirit of pretend. People pose to be Christians. They say certain words and say, I believe in God. And many of them even come to church. But many of them have not been led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And being foolish means a disregard for the leading and the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't disregard those promptings. We can't disregard the third person of the Trinity like in so many church establishments they have done. They have just ousted the power of the Holy Spirit and they have become godless, unfortunately. In verse 3, it says, They that were foolish took their lamps. They took their lamps and took no oil with them. What does that mean? Well, they had a vessel and they filled their vessel with oil their receptacle, and so on and so forth. And they had their lamps, praise the Lord, and the flame of those lamps were fed with oil. But look what the Word of God says. They were foolish. They took their lamps and took no oil with them. They only had enough oil in their lamps for a certain period of time. They didn't take anything extra. In those days, if you were wise... You had a receptacle or a pail or some kind of container that took extra oil knowing that it might be needed and it might be necessary up the road. So many people are not prepared for the future. They're not prepared for the future spiritually, emotionally, financially, financially, physically, and so on. In the days that we're living, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be prepared. We need to be better prepared. We don't need to be out there in the streets when people are rioting and causing chaos in our communities and societies. Being wise means to be prudent. And to be prudent means to be sensible and it means to be practical. And it means to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, the Bible says these words, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They were prepared. They saw the hour. They understood that they could meet the bridegroom at any moment. They were prepared even for a delay. A lot of people are not prepared for a delay. They had a constant inflowing and filling of the Holy Spirit. And God desires that for our life. He desires that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 3, A prudent man, praise God, foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's a capital S. What's God saying here? Foolish people will receive consequences for their behavior on not being prepared spiritually. Christ is coming, and I believe that all prophecies have been fulfilled, praise God, for him to return. 
I don't believe anything has to really happen other than what has happened prophetically already in church history and according to the word of God. He can come at any hour, praise God, for his bride. The Bible says in verse number five, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, which all means that they went to bed, they slept. But be mindful of this. The wise virgins had the extra oil because they never knew when the trumpet was going to sound. They never knew when the call was going to be made that Christ would return. And what happened in verse 6 of Matthew 25? And at midnight, praise the Lord, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. This cry was a croak. This, this cry was a clamor. It was a, it was a crying out, praise the Lord, where the community was awakened, praise God, to the trumpet and to the shofar and so on and so forth. And that cry was loudly heard by people and woke people up. But to go out and meet the bridegroom, to meet where he was, you had to have enough oil in your lamp, praise God, to see where you were going and what you were doing. The Bible says in Luke 12 and 40, be ye therefore ready also. A lot of people aren't ready. A lot of people aren't ready. They don't hear the preaching of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's becoming extinct in our churches. Prophetic utterances, prophetic preaching is becoming extinct in our churches. And people are not aware of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or they don't care about the second coming. Because we're too comfortable in this earth. We're so earthly minded that we forget about heaven. Preachers need to preach the word of God. Preachers need to preach concerning the rapture of the church. People need to preach concerning the second coming of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 says this, For ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. He's not going to send a text. He's not going to send a memo. He's not going to give you a telephone call. Maybe he's going to awaken you in your bed with the loud cry of the shofar, with the trumpet. Praise the Lord. And it's at that moment that you need to be prepared and ready spiritually in your heart that you have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, that you're pure with God. Because the Bible says he's coming back for a pure and a chaste bride. Praise God. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. We can't think to ourselves that we can go out to that world six days a a week and live like we want. We need to live seven days a week for Jesus. We need to live seven days a week in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, and on our places of employment. Praise God. The Bible says when they heard that cry, and it was a loud cry in the community, the Bible says then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. What does it mean to trim your lamp? It means to put in order it means to arrange and make ready. It means to be prepared. I can't stress enough the word prepare or preparation. We have seen in the last few months in our country and throughout the world this pandemic that has come into our communities and into our lives. And many people have been in their homes shut in for two or three months. Have you been prepared? Did you have enough food? Do you have enough water? Do you, na do you have enough oil in your lamps, so to speak? It's time to be prepared. It's not time to panic. 
It's not time to become chaotic like those in the street who are chaotic, but it's time to look at reality. We must prepare our lives, praise the Lord, for our time remaining on this earth. We must prioritize and arrange our lives in such a way that God will receive the glory. Praise the Lord. We must remove unnecessary busyness and make more room to become more intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important, folks. We're so busy. You know, I believe the enemy has spoken to God and and said to God, just give them everything they need. Let it be the Laodicean church. Increase them with goods. Give them all these things. And those things aren't necessarily bad. But when we come, become too busy with those things and we forget our intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ, then that becomes sinful. And that's exactly what's happening in society. You know, I've thought to myself after all of these months and being quarantined and being a pastor, I like to think and believe that there'll be, there's going to be a great revival because people are tired of the same old, same old. But you know what will probably happen, and we have already seen it, people partying, people on the beaches. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying, where's our mind for God? If the churches reopen, and when they do reopen, will people come to, back to the house of God? Or will we be so busy with the world and our activities, and I have to go here, and I have to go here. I've got to put my boat in the water. I've got to go golfing. I have to go to the country club. I, I've got a party. I've got a graduation. And how quickly we can forget God and the house of the Lord. People are clamoring. I want to get back to church. People are crying. We need to get back to the house of God. Well, as we used to say in Brooklyn where I was born and raised, put up or shut up. Put up or shut up. We shall see. You know, I'm reminded of the tragedy of 9-11 when thousands of Americans were killed needlessly. And the churches started to fill up so quickly. It was a patriotic moment in sports. People wore the fire department hats and the New York City police hats. Now we hate the firemen and we hate the police who are trying to protect us and help us in society. How we have become skewed. But don't you remember the patriotism? Don't you remember the congressmen and senators, praise God, in front of the the great uh, buildings in Washington, D.C., on the steps singing and praising and, and worshiping, praise God, in a way that they never did before? Don't you remember how the churches begin to fill up and the attendance begin to increase, praise the Lord? But three to six months later, tell me what happened. Tell me. Tell me. People started to get busy again. We started to get our boats back in the water. And there's nothing wrong with putting your boat in the water. But we need to make time for God. We need to trim our lamps. We need to prioritize. And we need to get rid of the busyness in our life because the enemy has us chasing our tail. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. So what happened? In verse number 8, a telltale sign. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. Now I want to stop here. Give us of your oil. You know what this is? This is the entitlement spirit. This is the spirit that's pervading our society today. You owe me. Government, you need to take care of me because you're my uncle. You want to know who your uncle really is? Your uncle is the people who go to work every day. Praise God. 
and put in eight hours. People in many professions who risk their lives in departments of corrections and parole and police and fire department and people who go work in hospitals and so on and so forth. You want to know who your uncle and aunt is? It's the people who work and who pay taxes. Praise God. There's no free ride in America. When my grandparents came from foreign countries, they went to work. They didn't know anything about handouts. My dad worked. He taught us the work ethic. He taught us to respect authority. He taught us to love our neighbors. Praise God. What's happened to us in society, my friend? It's time to wake up and it's time to train our children about the work ethic and respect and to respect your elders and say, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and sir, yes, sir. When I was a child, I learned how to make my bed. I learned how to cook. I learned how to sew. I learned how to do the wash. I learned how to use an iron to iron my shirts for school. Praise God. My mother taught me so I wouldn't starve to death. What's happened to that? We have so many parents that are so permissive doing everything for their child. And when their child cries and has a temper tantrum, they fold like a tent and they compromise you know what? We need to make our children strong, praise God. We need to give them the strength of God and the courage and boldness of Joshua and the courage and boldness of Moses and Elijah and Gideon, praise God. The Moses, the, 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 the strength and courage of David as he killed Goliath. We need to teach them the word of God, my friend, because the day is coming. It's perilous times and we must teach our children to be strong in the Lord and to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Pastors are afraid to preach. I'm not. And thank God I have a church that receives the truth. Thank God I have a group of people that spur me on. Say, preach the truth, Pastor. We trust you. We have confidence in you. And I want that confidence and trust to remain. Praise God in the church. But it grieves me to see what's happening. The Bible says, they said, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. <laughs> what's the lamp represent? The lamp which is fed with oil, the lamp that causes people to shine in the darkness, praise God. They were a day late and a dollar short. That's what they were, my friend. They didn't bring extra oil. They were not prepared. They were not prudent. They were not sensible. They were selfish. They did not mind their interests in God being good stewards. And now they wanted the oil, praise God, from the five wise virgins. You can't live off the coattail of others. You know, because your grandmother got saved in the church and she brought you to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Come on, let's say that again, Pastor. I said, because your grandmother came to church and accepted Jesus Christ, praised God, and lived a holy life, and brought you to church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. You become a Christian when you come to the Lord Jesus and say, God, forgive me of my sins, and help me to live the sanctified life and the holy life that you have called me to. You have to receive Jesus for yourself. Salvation is an individual choice, my friend, that must be made, hallelujah, with a person's heart. Praise God. We are the light of the world. And we through Christ are made to shine in a world that's filled with darkness. We cannot allow our lamps, praise God, to go out. We cannot allow not to have the oil of the Holy Spirit, praise God, that leads us and guides us into all truth. 
Many churches, the lamp has gone out. In many pulpits, the, the oil has gone out. We just preach nice sermons for 10 minutes. Affirming people, you're okay, I'm okay. Doesn't matter how they live. As long as everybody goes home happy and they fill the offering basket. That's not the gospel. This is a bloody gospel. And when you think about people across the world in foreign countries who worship underground, who know that their lives are always in danger, who are being persecuted and martyred every day by the hundreds, who are we to live such comfortable lives and forget what our brothers and sisters are going through? At least we can keep our oil lamps filled. At least we can follow Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and intercede for those, praise God, in foreign countries that are willing to sacrifice for Jesus Christ and not give up and compromise their faith and lose their lives for the Lord. The Bible says that their lamps had gone out, extinguished. Quench not the Spirit. It means to suppress or to stifle divine influence. Boy, if there's anything that arouses the fire of God in my life is the extinction of the Holy Spirit from the church. We cannot allow the fire of God to diminish or extinguish in our life. When we do, we lose influence to bring others to Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says these words, Quench not the Spirit. Stop stifling the Holy Spirit, pastors. Stop stifling the church worship. Stop stifling praise. Let the people go. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Give people the liberty to praise God. And take your liberty behind the sacred desk and preach the word of God to the people. The blind will lead the blind and they'll fall in the ditch. Preach the truth. The Bible says quench not, which means don't extinguish the fire of God or suppress or stifle divine influence. Listen, God is sick of programs. He's sick of mechanisms and machinations that man creates to grow churches and, and to put people in your building. He's sick of that. Throw it in the trash can. Preach the word of God. And those that are drawn by the Father will come. And those that are drawn by the Holy Spirit will receive. And those that are drawn by the Holy Spirit will become intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're doing your job. Let me remind you that Jesus preached for three and a half years. And he did miracles. And the dead were raised. And people were healed. The lepers were healed. The blind saw. The deaf heard. How many people were in the church on the day of Pentecost? There was no mega church. Come on, my friend. It was 120 people. 120. You would think after you read in the New Testament, cities empty to go follow Jesus. They went into the desert three days and three nights without food that Jesus did miracles to feed them. Why would people do that? Have you ever asked yourself a question? Where were they on the day of Pentecost? Where were they in the upper room? Where did they go? Did they just come for the loaves and the fishes and the blessings? Obviously, because there was only 120. Praise God, pastors. Don't measure the success of your church by your numbers. Measure the success of your church by disciples. Hear what I'm saying? 
Don't measure the success of your church and beat your chest at meetings and say, I'm running 500. How many disciples do you have? The parable of the sower talks about one in four. How many disciples do we really have? Do you preach the truth? Can you preach the truth? Will people receive the truth in your churches? Can you step on their toes spiritually without them getting offended and leaving your church forever? Or do you tip-tap through the tulip patch like Tiny Tim? <laughs> and you sort of become palatable. And you kind of talk to people. And you don't give them any undue pressure spiritually or challenge them by the word of God. We're not doing our jobs in the pulpit. You want to know why America is in chaos? We're in chaos because we've lost the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches. Listen, if every church pastor woke up tomorrow and started preaching on the third person of the Trinity, praise God, hallelujah, and laid hands on their people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, praise God, we'd have a revival, praise God, that day in America. Can you say amen to that? But the wise answered and said, not so. What? I thought you were a Christian. Lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. What were the wise virgins saying? Not so means in no way in the translation. In no way. Boy, that doesn't sound Christian, does it? Oh, yes, it is. Because they took care of business. They took care of business. Hallelujah. They filled their receptacle to have extra oil. And now those that were foolish, who were pretenders, who were carnal, who were not led by the Spirit, now they think they're entitled to someone else's oil. You know, my friend, <laughs> let's not practice socialism in the church. What are you saying, Pastor? You know, I'm, I don't believe in Halloween, but I heard a great illustration by by a, a young boy. I'm going to go trick-or-treating and I'm going to get my shopping bag filled up with candy. And then when I come home, my dad says, how did you do, son? Dad, I have a shopping bag full of candy. I really worked hard. I beat the streets. I knocked on doors and people were very kind to me. And the father turns to the son and he says, now I want you to take half of your candy and share it with the boy next door who just played on his uh, computer or PlayStation and did not do what you did. But dad, you see, that's socialism, my friend. See, the boy next door, he was not prepared. He didn't get off his duff and go get his shopping bag to go knock on doors, praise God, and get his own candy. You know what? God is saying, this is the word of God. I didn't say this. I didn't say this. The wise virgin said, no. See the hand? See the hand? You're not getting our oil. Because we prepared, praise God, not enough. What the wise virgins did was they raised the barrier. Because when you look at the verse, not enough, praise God, when they said, lest there be not enough for us, it means they raised the barrier. We are, and we have the necessary oil that's needed. We are sufficient in the Holy Spirit, that's what they were saying. And as a result, we possess unfailing strength. Foolish versions, you've lost your strength. You did not prepare for this hour. But we're raising a barrier and we can't give you what we have because we went out and earned it. We bought it, praise God. We worked for it. We put it in the receptacle and we want to meet the bridegroom. We are strong through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're able to defend and ward off the powers of evil to finish our journey 
and attend the marriage that we were invited to. That's what they were saying. And we're not going to give that up for you. Listen, you only have one soul. That's what our pastor used to tell us as we learned under him. Son, you only have one soul, and you need to guard that soul. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing, even in your own family. Guard your soul, because your soul is eternal. And the Bible says in verse 10, And they went to buy. The bridegroom came. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him in the marriage, and the door was shut. You know, when I read that verse, I couldn't help but think about the days of Noah. Let me read something to you here that the Lord had me to write. The five foolish virgins were not prepared, and now they were out of place. Hmm. Their timing was all wrong. Too late. A day late and a dollar short. The five wise virgins gained entrance into the celebration. It was the same in the days of Noah who prepared the boat. But the day came when God told him, shut the door. He gave the invitation. He said to come. And he gave the people the opportunity to join Noah on the boat. But they were busy. They were partying. They were doing this and they were doing that. And they forgot God. And for 120 years, the long-suffering of God was in that society. That God spoke to millions of people. But they said no. We're good. We're not ready for this God that you're talking about, Noah. And what happened? The Bible says this. They ignored the preaching of the righteousness of no the righteous preacher of Noah. They said in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet as seen, moved with fear, prepared, there's the key word, an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And the Bible says in 2 Peter 2, 5, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, praise God, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Don't you see the signs? Don't you see the signs? Don't you get the warnings? Are we sleeping? We have to wake up. The church is the sleeping giant. And God is trying to wake up the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we haven't trimmed our lamps. And we haven't brought in the extra oil. Because the seminaries teach that the book of Acts is extinct. They're not seminaries, they're cemeteries that teach preachers to preach just part of the gospel and not the full gospel. What a shame. What a sham that this goes on in the houses of God. And God is crying out to his church to wake up and be aroused because the cry is going to come one day and the shofar, the trumpet, is going to be sounded. Amen. And will we be ready? The Bible says in verse 11 of Matthew 25 and Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Entitlement once again. Come on, God, we deserve this. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not everyone that gets to the pearly gates is going to go in. Some are going to be told these words. I don't even know you. 
Oh, but God, we prophesied. We did all these good things. God, I don't know you. Because when I look in the Lamb's book of life, your name is not there. Hmm. Allowed the Holy Spirit to extinguish in their life. But God, you need to open up to us. You need to open the door. You need to do this now. We deserve this, even though we played pretend all this time, and now we find ourselves in a crisis. We wanted to meet the bridegroom, but you didn't prepare for his coming. You thought you had some time. You thought, I could wait. One of these days, I'm going to sow my oats. I'm going to have my fun. I'm going to do my stupid stuff. Guess what? One of these days, the door is going to shut. The Bible says in verse 12, but he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Terrible words to be heard. Know you not. You know what that word know you not means? It means in no way, just like the wise virgins told the foolish virgins, in no way am I giving you oil. It's the same translation. It means the same thing. It says no, not, in no way. I'm not opening. This is what God's saying. They were, an ex- they were expecting an affirmative answer. They were expecting the mercies of God to fall upon them. But they weren't prepared. And they weren't ready. It's time to get ready. That's why people don't want to hear the preaching of the second coming of Jesus. Because they might have to get ready. They don't want to hear that the Lord's coming. They don't want to even entertain that. We don't even want to preach that. Because now we're talking about eternity. Now we're talking about the possibility of leaving this earth. Living on chairs and our sofas and our boats and our golf clubs. (laughs) One of these days, someone else is going to get it, my friend, if Jesus tears. They'll fight over it. They'll fight over your money. They'll fight over their inheritance. Brother will go against brother, sister against sister. Come on, we've all seen that in our families. You know what's going to happen. I pray that Jesus returns, praise God, so we can be spared. Praise the Lord that disillusionment. The Bible says in verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. What does it mean to be watchful? It means to be vigilant. It means to give strict attention to. It means to be cautious. It means to be active. It means to take heed, lest through remission and laziness some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes us. Don't become remiss in your salvation. Oh, I know that preachers get behind the sacred desk and preach eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Once full of chicken, always full of chicken. Heresy. Heretics. Oh, just say the prayer. You're okay. Just say the prayer. You can go out and do whatever you want. Just say the prayer. You know, it's more than the prayer. It's more than the Roman road as we have given to people. It's becoming a disciple. It's becoming a chaste bride without spot or wrinkle, ready to meet a holy God, ready to meet a Christ that came in the form of a baby, born of a virgin, died on the cross, a torturous death. Praise God, the bridegroom, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Praise God. Hallelujah. We can't be shabby in our salvation. We can't be shabby in our preparation. We can't be shabby in our readiness. It says to watch. Praise God. What does it mean? It means to rise and arouse yourself from sleep. Don't let the world tranquilize you. The world's putting the Christian church to sleep. What a shame. Why did Jesus say these words in 
Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. Watch ye therefore, be vigilant, pay attention, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Worthy to escape. The only way you're going to be worthy is through the blood of Jesus Christ and having the oil in your lamp to finish the course and the journey that God has put you on. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3 says this, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. God's not going to send you a text. He's not sending you a memo or, or a voicemail. He's coming, perhaps at the midnight hour, as a thief in the night. God's coming back for a church. You say, what church is he coming back for? <laughs> He's coming back for a remnant church. What are you talking about? Look throughout the Bible. God always had a remnant people. A church within a church. You know, the wheat and the tares grow together. Hear me. The wheat and the tares do grow together. Amen. Noah, praise God, was the wheat. Eight people got on that boat. What happened to everyone else? Noah and his family were the remnant. Praise the Lord. Think about that for a moment. They were the remnant church in a society that became ungodly that became busy, that became party seekers and pleasure seekers. Is it any different today? What's God looking for? A worldly church? Is he looking for Christians that have one foot in the world and one foot in the church? Christians who come to the house of God and come through the doors and play pretend and say, oh, praise the Lord, praise God, let's sing another chorus. How are we living? Ask your children. Ask your children. How do you, as a wife, speak to your husband? How do you, as a husband, speak to your wife? How do you speak to your children? Ask your kids how you're doing. Ask your kids to give you a temperature check. You know, we're taking people's temperatures now in places of business. How about a spiritual temperature check? Ask your kids, hey, son, take mom's temperature spiritually. How am I doing? How do I talk? How do I act? Hmm. Ask dad for a temperature check. Hey dad, can I take your temperature spiritually? Because you're always preaching at us. You're always telling us, don't do that, don't do this. You should be doing this and not that. But dad, let me take your temperature. Wow. 104.5. Very high. Not normal. 106. Woohoo, hallucination. <laughs> Off the chart. Anger city. Woohoo. <laughs> Think about it. Now, I'm not making fun. I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to give you the truth. Because if you look outside of what's happening in our society today, people looting, people stealing, people hurting other people, people killing people for a television. Isn't it sad? And you think you shouldn't be prepared? You don't think the time has come to be warned? If I don't warn you, your blood is on my soul. But if I do warn you, I'm free as a pastor. I'm not afraid to preach. 
I've been doing this for many, many decades. And praise the Lord, I love to preach and teach the word of God. I care about your soul. I care about your eternal life. I care about where you're going. If God forbid God called you this night. The Bible says in Revelation 3.1, And the angel of the church in Sardis wrote, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. God is saying to the church at Sardis, and I believe it's indicative of the church today. <laughs> A lot of churches are just plain dead. And there are still some people holding on. Because the Bible says that strengthen those things which remain that are ready to die. We need a spiritual transfusion in our churches for those people that are trying to hold on spiritually. We need to give them a spiritual transfusion of the word of God, pastors. Some have already died. The Bible says that in Revelation 3.1. But look for the remnant. Look for those that love God, that are holding on, that are looking for something. That you can speak to their heart and give them a good meal. Not I'm okay, you're okay. Give them something to hold on to. Give them a steak and a big potato. Instead of some fast food that you read at a Time magazine or some newspaper. What's God saying? It says this. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names in Sardis. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. What does it mean? They are not defiled. They haven't polluted themselves. They haven't compromised. They haven't stained themselves. They haven't contaminated themselves. It's used in the New Testament of those who have kept themselves pure from the defilements of sin, who have not soiled themselves by fornication and adultery. And we don't want to preach about that either. It's a hot topic. Don't talk about that, Pastor. You shouldn't talk about those things in church. God talks about it. God talks about it very strongly in the word. Praise the Lord. We need to become pure, holy before God. The Bible says in Revelation 3, 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. What does that sound like? Doesn't it sound like that your name can be blotted out? Eternal security preachers? Come on. Come on. You that follow the gurus who write books against the power of the Holy Spirit, against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about praying in other tongues. All oh, the gurus, the heretics, the heresies behind the sacred desk will give you their program and their plan and their videos and their music and their spectacular lights. And they dazzle you like at a sports event. It's not the gospel, my friend. Praise the Lord. He that overcometh. 
And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. We must constantly pay attention to the voice of God. At any moment, praise God, the trumpet can sound, and we must be attentive to hear the sound of that trumpet and the announcement of the coming of the Lord Jesus. We are the wise virgins. The born-again believers filled with the Holy Spirit waiting for the bridegroom who will come as a thief in the night who will keep our oil lamps trimmed. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you can't even blink that fast, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This is instantaneous. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. When's the last time you heard that preaching? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, the, with, the, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then the Lord says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. How can we comfort ourselves with those words if they're not preached in the church? Pastor, you're on fire today. I'm on fire. I've served God for a long time. I've seen churches. I've been in many churches. I've preached to hundreds of thousands of people in my lifetime. I know the state of the church. I was an evangelist, a revivalist. I traveled. I was in pastors' homes. I was in their churches. I saw the state of the church many, many years ago. And then we decided to adopt programs to bring people into the church. Listen, I can get a rock band here who would come in the name of Christianity, quote unquote, and I can fill this building. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's not God. It's not what's going to get people to heaven. Hallelujah. Cheap grace, easy believism is not going to gain you entrance. The door will be shut to you. Demand from your pastors the word of God. Demand from the sacred pulpit, hallelujah, the word of the Lord. I want to bring this word to you for a few moments. And it's very apropos concerning what's going on in our society. Isaiah 26 and 20 says this, Come, my people, enter into thy chambers and shut the doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. What does this mean? Enter into thy chambers. The JFB commentary says this, When God is about to take vengeance on the ungodly, the saints shall be shut in by him in a place of safety, as Noah and his family were in the days of the flood, recorded in Genesis 7.16. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Similarly, Israel was commanded not to go out of doors on the night of the slaying of the Egyptian firstborn. Exodus 12, 22. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop 
and dip it in blood that's in the basin and strike the lentil and the two posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he, when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts of the door, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. JFB commentary continues and says, The saints are calmly and confidently to wait the issue like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. When Moses said to them in Exodus 14 and 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. For the Egyptians, who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. What's God saying? Look what's going on in society. As a pastor, I have helped to prepare our people through the years because that's what God's called me to. To prepare physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially so that if they're quarantined for two or three months, they won't starve to death. And they'll have enough money in their pocket if they have to go to a gas station and get gas if their credit card didn't work. That's being a good preacher. That's caring for the sheep. Making sure that they're taken care of. Making sure they know what the parameters are. To be made sure that they're warned of the chaos. The last place I want the people that I love in the church that I pastor, that God has given me the privilege, the last place that I want the people of my church to be is in a store when people are rioting. Preparation. God says, shut yourself in for a season. Shut yourself in. Prepare. Keep the oil in your lamps. Be watchful. Be vigilant. And pray. And seek the face of God. We've been quarantined. But we're okay. Our church people have been quarantined. But they're okay. Praise the Lord. People are losing their minds out there. And what does the Bible say? He says, enter into thy chambers and shut the door. Because the Bible says, hide for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Psalm 31 and 20, Thou hidest them in the secret place of thy presence. I love this. Thou hidest them in the secret place of thy presence from artifices of man. Thou concealest them in a tabernacle from the strife of tongues. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Though The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. God is going to judge and judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Make no mistake about it. These people that are acting like hoodlums, these people that are looting and burning down buildings, they'll be judged. They'll be judged by a court in this world, and if that's not done, they'll be judged in the courts of God eventually. What you sow, you reap, my friend. I said, what you sow, you reap. Amen. Never forget that God is a consuming fire. God did not die the death of an idiot on the cross. He came to save mankind. And he came to shut us in into the secret place of his tabernacle, especially during times of chaos. Prepare for your families. You don't know what's going to be coming here in the next few months. You may be quarantined for six months instead of three. 
You have no idea what's going to happen in society from this day forward because it's totally out of control. We need to be prepared for our future safety and well-being by being prudent and attentive to the day that we live in. When crisis comes, you need to be in a safe place. When crisis comes, you need to be in a safe place. The Bible says to be prudent, which means to be beware, to be subtle, to be shrewd, to be crafty, to be sensible, to be practical and far-sighted. Trim your lamp. Prepare. Because you know what? Evil is out there. Paul told us in the book of Timothy that perilous times shall come upon the face of the earth. Don't be simple-minded. Don't be naive. Don't take the tuck head and say, oh, it's not that bad. Well, it's pretty bad. When in one state, 66 buildings are burned down and 300 businesses are looted, it's pretty bad. When one state loses 100,000 businesses and $10 billion in revenue, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad when you see the litany and the list of firemen and police officers, National Guard, that people are trying to protect society. It's pretty sad when you see that they have been shot and stabbed and maimed, hit on the head with a fire extinguisher or a garbage pail. Or a captain, David Dorn, 77 years old, being a security guard in a place of business trying to protect that business, shot dead as he laid in the street. A police captain, 77 years old. What's wrong with us? Cain killed Abel. It started back in the book of Genesis. And man is still killing man. What's wrong with us? Last weekend, 80 people in Chicago were shot. 18 died. The week before, 40 people were shot in Chicago. What's happening in society? Brother going against brother. Man going against man. People needlessly being killed. It's time to wake up. You don't think there's danger out there? You don't think you need to contain your family and find a safe place? You don't think you need to prepare for the future? Then you're a simpleton. You're naive. And you are a foolish virgin that only has enough oil to get by for a certain period of time, but not for the entire journey. Jesus said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Paul told Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me close. God is going to punish people. And some are going to come up short like the five foolish virgins, not having the oil that they need in a crisis or for living a spiritual life in Christ. Trouble is going to come. But here's my hope. My hope is in the rock. And let me just bring you a few verses before I come to a conclusion. In Psalm 31 and verse 3, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Oh God, let that be my prayer. Let that be my prayer. Say it again, Pastor. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Help me to lead my family. Help me to lead my children and my grandchildren. Help me to lead the church that you have allowed me to pastor for so many years. Help me to lead the people that I love. Help to guide me. Show me the plan. Help me to maneuver through these muddy waters and these steep rivers. 
that come upon us like a flood. The Bible says in Psalm 40 and 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He brought me out of sin. He brought me out of the slime pit. Psalm 42 and 9 says, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgiven me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God has forgiven us because he loves us. And the oppression of the enemy will not continue so much longer because he will stomp out the enemy that's trying to hurt the remnant church and the people of God. In Psalm 61 and verse 2 it says this, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, leading me to the rock that is higher than I. And we're all overwhelmed at times. You cannot look at the news and not be overwhelmed. You cannot look at the chaos, calamities in society without becoming overwhelmed. Seeing human beings hurting other human beings. Hate, bitterness, people trying to divide our nation and our government, people trying to eradicate the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the civil rights that people have been given. And more than that, trying to extinguish the light in the church by keeping people from the house of God when the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Be careful, governors. Be careful. Because God will have the final say and God will have the final laugh. Because I believe God's angry. I believe God's angry. Someone showed a cloud in the sky the other day on the internet. And they made a comment and they said, doesn't it look like the angry God, eyes of God? It was uncanny to look at. Doesn't it look like the angry eyes of God as he looks upon the earth? I believe God is angry. I believe God is very angry at the behavior of people who politicize, who give their speeches, who all of a sudden sports figures and movie stars have opinions about politics and about humanity. Look at their lives. Look at some of their lives. Look at the immorality of their lives and they're trying to pontificate to us values and morals. Huh. Are you serious? You're paid to play football. You're paid to throw a basketball in a hoop. Just do your job. Quit being political. You're not a preacher. You're making a fool of yourself. And it's sad that we apologize for pledging, pledging allegiance to a flag. We apologize because we respect the flag of the United States of America and the military that has shed blood on battlefields for your freedom. We apologize. Sorry, not this preacher. Sorry, just play your game. Go do your movie acting. We're tired of your pontifications. We're tired of your little stories and your little sermonettes. Because you know what? They're phony. Because when we look into your lives, we see a life of horror. We see a life of immorality. We see a life that we do not want to imitate or emulate. And it's sad. 
that you've been placed in a position of authority, in a position of influence, and you use it for your own gain. Shame on you. And I close with this verse. Psalm 62, 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He only. And he is my defense. And I shall not be greatly moved. Hmm. There's many that have come before us. And there's many that will come after us if Jesus tarries. There will always be a remnant church. Because God is coming back for a church. That's without spot or wrinkle. There's going to be a rapture of the church. There's going to be a second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that tells me there will be a church. And I want to be part of that church. And those of you that are listening to this videotape this morning, I want you to be part of that church also. Let's live for God. Let's trim our oil lamps. Let's have enough oil, praise God, like a runner running a marathon. Let's have enough fortitude and strength to finish the journey and finish the course for Jesus. That we'll be able to say, I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I have fought a good fight. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, you've stirred our hearts this morning with the word of the Lord. And I pray, God, as it goes far and near, that you would touch lives, that you would touch souls, that you would touch our spirit, that you would help us to be prepared and ready for the hour that's coming upon the face of the earth. This is one of the most important times in the history of the world. And Father, though we see perilous times out there, we're privileged to know you. And we're privileged to be in the secret place of that tabernacle. The rock, the fortress, the castle, the pavilion that you enclose us in. Praise God that we're safe. Praise God in your arms. Hold us tight to your bosom is my prayer. And hold the people of God tight to your bosom. And speak to them, God, that they might hear the voice of the Lord in the days to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.